Welcome and thank you for tuning in to Modern Aged Middle Life, a podcast brought to you by Emily Baum and Graham Jarvis, comedy writers addressing modern day confusions for the middle aged. We're live. You frightened of dying? Not particularly. I'm not threatening you. No. <laughs> I wondered why you brought those scissors in. No, I'm not at all frightened of dying. Aren't you? Nope. Most people are quite frightened of dying because they don't know what's going to happen. I'm assuming you just stopped breathing. Do you think they're frightened of dying as in the moment of death or are they just frightened about the loss of their life? So as it comes towards them, they're thinking, I don't want to die. I mean, in the moment, you know, if a truck hits them, I'm sure they're not thinking, oh, no, I'm frightened of this. No, I think it's more that you don't know what's coming. Yeah. So you don't know what happens after you die. So is it the pearly white gates and an all-you-can-eat Prosecco bar? Or <laughs> is it just blackness? And it's that uncertainty of not existing anymore that people get frightened of. So do you think they pity, say, a, a grain of sand, thinking, no. poor thing? It doesn't know anything. No. Poor thing. I think they spend a lot of time picking it out between the middle of their toes after they've been at the beach for the day. <laughs> yes. And that's about it. Well, I've got no fear of dying, but picking bits of sand out from between your toes, Jill has got almost a fear of sand. I hate sand. A lot of I love the beach, do. but hate sand. Is that a fear or is that just a dislike? No, that's a proper phobia. Is it? Yeah. If, you've, if you're a female and you've found sand in the gusset of your swimming costume, you'll understand exactly how I feel. <laughs> I wondered how long we'd get into the podcast before we talked about swimming costumes. <laughs> It does seem to be a running theme. It does. Or a swimming theme. It does, Or a leisure wear theme. My daughter came home from an activity weekend, you know, like a PGL, and they'd been uh, raft building and she'd fallen into a lake. Okay. When she came home, because she was still in the clothes from the day of raft building, she came home, took off her swimming costume and a fish fell. (laughs) A fish? A fish fell out. It was dead. (laughs) She had a dead fish in her swimming costume. <laughs> so why did you put that in there? <laughs> Is it like part of her packed well, lunch? I just thought she would be on a sardine when she got home. <laughs> yeah, peckish. But this is it for women, because we're a bit more vulnerable in the lower portions than men. Things that come in your swimming costume are quite scary and sand is not comfortable. Gritty. Gritty. Hate the feeling between your toes, let alone in your swimming costume. Well, you men can't have got get it toes. Off. Well, men don't like it on their toes either, do they? Uh, and sand. Not that bothered. Are we talking dry sand here or that sticky, wet when sand? When you've got sticky feet, you've been in the sea, you've come out, and it's like you can't see your own foot anymore because it's caked in sand. That's horrible. Right. No so you wander sand. down to wash it in the tide, come back up, and it's <laughs> exactly. It's, it's the rinse same. and repeat. That is <laughs> completely pointless. It is pointless. That's why people spend the whole day at the beach. So do you fear dying? No, I used to when I was younger. I think you go through certain stages in life. So when I was a teenager, I thought I would live forever and it didn't matter what I did to myself because I was impenetrable. Then I got seriously ill at 18 and they said I was going to (laughs) die and I changed my tactics a little bit. (laughs) And then I got better and decided, well, actually, I've already had 18 years and I wasn't supposed to. So anything else that I have is surely only a bonus. So I'm not frightened of dying, no. It'll happen when it happens. What I 
I am worried about is turning into a zombie or being buried alive. Yeah, I wouldn't like the idea of being buried alive, but that's nothing to do with <laughs> imminent death, is it? You've got an hour or two, perhaps, till the air runs out. I know, but why is there a slight nagging feeling in the back of your head that someone, somewhere, despite medical science and the amount of different checklists that happen to a body before it is buried or cremated, in the back of my mind I'm thinking, it'll be my luck. That person will be off sick that week. <laughs> They'll still be alive, but in a coma, and they'll yeah. have buried me. Well, that depends whether you're going for cremation or burial, I guess, mm. and also whether you've got an organ donor card. <laughs> <laughs> because that would be awful, wouldn't it? If you did have an organ donor card and you weren't dead, and in the hospital you heard them saying, no, I can't find his organ donor card, and you're there trying to talk, but you're in a coma, saying, it's in my pocket, try the top pocket the top pocket. but no they don't find it and so there you are in the coffin really alive you come out of your coma and they haven't even taken your organs and you're gonna die what a waste you're not helping me with my fear can i just <laughs> can i just add to that yeah and now you've just added the extra layer of organ donorship which yeah. i condone i think everyone i don't need them but the one option that always weirds me out is when they ask if you want your eyes. Yeah. Can you imagine? I've died, Graham. Picture this, I've died. Uh -huh. Once you've come out of the mourning period, which will take you at least six minutes, you're in <laughs> Woking Shopping Centre and a woman comes up to you or a man comes up to you and asks for directions and all of a sudden you're staring into my eyes. Oh, See, that, no. that would be freaky. Yeah. But nobody will want my eyes. My vision is so bad. <laughs> I think my eyes are probably more like those little smart, cars that shape as opposed to spherical i don't think so, they're fussed what sort of shape your eyes are as long as they work i think it's a one size fits all eyes oh if i was gonna take an eye if they said right we'll found a donor i'd say hang on hang on because i don't want to find you do this eye transplant and then in two years time my eyes are just worse again i want a really good eye start off where i mean to continue you know let's have a good round eye please I don't think you get to see them before you have the eye <laughs> well, if you're blind you wouldn't would you <laughs> I mean, that is, the, that is a terrible thing to say. That is, is a cruel thing to say. But it's kind of true, yeah. isn't it? It's not like you're going to give somebody with a fully functioning kidney a new one because you thought they needed an upgrade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My kidney's a bit on thing. the blink. Yeah. You're going to have an organ because you need an organ. And I don't suppose they're at the point yet where they're going to double up on organs, you know, in case one fails. Exactly, have a spare. People yeah. are wandering around with, a, with an uh, extra liver parked around yeah. the back. <laughs> the man with three hearts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, that just makes me think about zombies again. Did you ever watch Walking Dead? And listened. Did, what do you mean, and listened? <laughs> well, just watching it seemed a bit tedious, oh. so I turned the volume up. <laughs> I thought you were hiding under a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, to start with, the first series was quite scary. And I did find myself going on dog walks and thinking... How do I... What would I do if there suddenly was a zombie that walked out of the woods? I would be thinking, what are they doing in the middle of Guildford? But if there was a zombie apocalypse, I know lots of people started to think about what they would do because it was so real. So I checked my fencing. <laughs> you checked I did. Your, I did. As in... <laughs> or we're back to El Zorro. We're covering a few. This is like a... <laughs> I thought I could grow my own food. Uh-huh. I was trying to work out how I'd get electricity... I think someone has written a book recently so that if you 
found that what exists today had all stopped. Mm. So an apocalypse, or you were in a... I think in his case, he had a time machine. It took him back to sort of like 1600s. Mm. And then he found his time machine had broken down. But he didn't know how stuff works. He's written simple steps how you can get all your technology back from square oh. one. So that would be handy to you after the apocalypse, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'd have to buy that book. But yeah. there'd be no Amazon, so I wouldn't know how to get it and how it would get delivered. <laughs> no, 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 getting the Kindle edition. No. <laughs> that would be rubbish. But I was worried about what I would eat okay. and not being eaten, obviously. That would be quite a core sustainability yeah. factor. I think your first thing would be to find the remains of the Sports Direct shop and get a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Get yourself... And step one, get yeah. a baseball bat. Yeah. Step two, don't get eaten. Yeah. Step three, find something to eat. <laughs> Become a vegetarian. <laughs> yeah, Quickly. Although there's a lot more meat around than there vegetables, is. I would imagine, after the apocalypse. After the apocalypse. Yeah. But yeah, things come back from the dead. Remember my daughter said to me once, we were driving past a graveyard and my, my gran had died and she'd been learning about the Easter story and Jesus' resurrection. And she turned around and she said, if Jesus could come back from the dead, does that mean gran's going to come back from the dead? And poor thing, she was absolutely petrified that as we were driving past this graveyard, my gran was going to pop out of the ground and wave at her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's freaky. That is, that is freaky. Not, not only was it not the graveyard she was buried in, so I'd want to know how she got there. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Was she cremated or was she buried? No, she was buried. But that would be weird. Mm. If you could have a conversation with somebody, literally graveside, that you could just have five minutes with, probably ten minutes, the first five minutes you'd be gagging and gipping because they'd eroded so much, but the other five minutes you'd get something decent out of them. Is there anyone you'd have a chat with? I think your parents, one of your parents, would be the instant choice to find out things like, what happened to my favourite comb? And things like that. <laughs> yeah, the stuff that you'll never manage to sort out. I've got five minutes with you, Mum. Yeah. <laughs> Not... Where did you hide the money? <laughs> it's more, I can't find that detangler anywhere. Exactly. Well, nothing that important in life is there really. It just moves on. I mean, yeah, the questions does. change, you know. What you'd have asked your dead mum in the Tudor times is now different. So, I don't know. <laughs> Tudor's times. For mum, how did you contract syphilis? <laughs> when dad was fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, going that. back to one of our earlier podcasts, because that seems to be a little bit of a running theme with this one, mm. I would want to know whether I truly was their birth child or oh, whether yeah. I was brought in as You're a favour to royalty. As a favour. You were dropped in. <laughs> <laughs> the Queen at the time said, we've got an ugly short one. Where can we put it? <laughs> Grimsby. So what other phobias or fears have well, you? Well, I once had an incident with a caterpillar that was really quite challenging. And I, again, it's a swimming costume one too. Wow. Things in swimming costumes upset me, mm. especially, especially dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs in a speedo. It's not right, people. Please stop. <laughs> no, I was in the back garden sunbathing. My mum was a big sunbather. Uh -huh. To the extent when she came back from a holiday, I was actually asked by somebody if my mum was Asian. Okay. She would go that dark and I, I'm very sure you, miss, you didn't mishear that. And they said, is your mum ageing? <laughs> she was doing that as well, bless her. She yes. was. Because a lot of sun on factor one yes. or olive oil. Not why good for the skin. Why are you oil. introducing that old leather handbag <laughs> as your mother? 
because she's paid for my school fees. Um, <laughs> so we sat in the garden sunbathing mm-hmm. on a day when we had nice weather. And I was sunbathing in my swimming costume. We had a nice garden. It wasn't overlooked. People weren't being sick. It was fine. <laughs> and we used to have these caterpillars that drop from the trees. Oh, yeah, from oak trees especially. Oh, well... One tried to climb down the back of my swimming costume and I don't think I've ever been the same since. <laughs> I've never, never had a concept of a caterpillar trying to climb down. <laughs> oh, it's awful. It <laughs> came out from nowhere and then it tried to get in as well. It tried to go round the back of my swimsuit. That was yes. creepy. I didn't like that. Something about caterpillars that just weird me out anyway. They're ugly little things. I know they turn into butterflies, yeah. but they just look like they want to eat you. They're explorers, aren't they? The foragers. Well, it's exploring. I can assure you. You got Columbus caterpillar, did you? (laughs) (laughs) So you've got a fear of caterpillars, which I believe is the same as the fear of reptiles. When they've analysed it, it's like caterpillars, reptiles, insects and all that group. It's all the same thing. Yeah. I'm not frightened of snakes. I don't mind them because they haven't tried to get in a swimming costume. Is there a fear of things that want to get into your swimming costume? I'm sure there are. <laughs> What's it called then, my fear of caterpillars? It's called, and I like this because it's similar to another phobia that I was reading about, it's called entomophobia. Catchy. Entomophobia. Entomophobia. Yeah. That's appropriate because everything kept trying to ento my swimming costume. <laughs> And they're all called phobia at the end yeah, because of the Greek god of fear. He had parents that didn't like him. I think so one looked Greeks, at him and went, oh, dear Lord, that's... <laughs> give him a name that strikes fear. Phobias. <laughs> but there was insectophobia, that's caterpillar yeah. fears crossed with that. And the other one, herpetophobia. Herpeto. <laughs> Herpes toe. I've now got a new phobia. How do you get herpes of the toe? Herpes toe. That's a middle name for a child you hate, isn't it? Herpes toe. Janice Herpes toe Brown. Herpes toe. Perhaps the middle name could be Mankey. Mankey. Mankey Herpes toe. Uh, and what other what other fountains of phobia phobiotic knowledge do you have? I love this one because it's the fear. Of doors. The fear of doors? Yeah. What, like the, the doors? <laughs> no, Jim not. Morrison. Fear of him rocking up in your house with his dirty leather trousers no. on. Well, you know, I said the fear of caterpillars was entomophobia. Yeah. Well, this is similar. The fear of doors is apparently called entamaphobia. Entamaphobia. <laughs> yeah, which makes sense because if you enter a room, it's entamaphobia. And I guess if you leave the room, it'd be exit maphobia. <laughs> what if you've got a caterpillar on the door? <laughs> <laughs> Entamaphobia. <laughs> Entama- <laughs> the fact that you're still trying to do it is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> it would be entamaphobia. Entomo, <laughs> which sounds like another language, doesn't it? It does sound entama, a bit Klingon. Entomo. Entama <laughs> Entomo. Yeah, Entama Ow. Entomo. <laughs> Is there, what's the official uh, line on being phobic of knitted swimwear? <laughs> <laughs> not, not look that one Itchy up. Itchy my crutchophobia. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> But there is also some people who are claim to have a fear of doorknobs, which... Doorknobs? Doorknobs. I mean, what is that about? How, how do you get a handle on that? <laughs> oh, gosh. How do, no, genuinely, how do you leave a room if you're phobic of doorknobs? 
Well, how do you leave room for your phobic of doors? Do you have to take all the doors off? Yeah, that'd get rid of the doorknob phobia, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> then you replace it by a phobia of people walking into your house. <laughs> Big surprise, suddenly. Hello, <laughs> <Yeah>. Jim. <laughs> I would have knocked, but you're taking all the doors off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I did knock, but I had to really try hard and couldn't get the air moving enough for you to hear. Or perhaps, perhaps a sign saying, please make a honking noise Before as you, you enter walk the room. through the open... Yeah. see a lot of burglars adapting to that well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How Ooh-wee. do you explain that to the police if you've been burgled? Yeah, your insurance company wouldn't yeah, cover you. they wouldn't they? do it no. if you've taken all your doors no. off. But at least you wouldn't the have the phobia. No, but then what happens if you morphed and you had a phobia of drafts? Because you couldn't oh. shut them out because you had no doors because yeah. of your knob phobia. Though, can you have a draft from a really big open space? Isn't it just called wind? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a draft sort of sneaks through little openings, doesn't it? Yeah. Whereas if you're outside, you know, in the Grand Canyon, it's like. It's <laughs> my wind impression. <laughs> and somebody goes, Oh, did you feel a draft? A hurricane. To, the, to your companion that's flying a kite. Yes. <laughs> did, you, did you feel a draft? Could you shut that window? Yes. So I'm not sure if an open door, I think you'd be safe from your phobia of drafts. Oh, OK. That's all right. Then I, I have to check. <laughs> Checkmate. <laughs> drafts, I like it. What else you got on your list of phobias? Well, this one I did experience a little bit earlier in life which is the fear of being found out oh and i looked it up and apparently it's called imposter syndrome where you're perfectly competent yeah and you <laughs> can i stop you there <laughs> carry on you know what you're doing everybody thinks you're great but you yourself feel I'm not able to do this. They'll find me out. They'll discover I'm not competent. Now, if you were a camouflage expert, mm-hmm. I can imagine this being a major problem. So because? Because if, <laughs> if fear of being found out and you couldn't camouflage yourself <laughs> would be a problem. But I can't see where else it would impact. It's the fear of feeling uh, discovered that you're not worthy, I suppose. There must be a confidence thing in there. So mm. people who perhaps do big speeches suddenly thinking, I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm going to forget all of the words. Yeah. Why have I I've made myself do this? You know you don't know enough about this subject matter. It's our inner voice. Yeah. It's that little nagging in the voice that says to us, when we're about to do something that takes us out of our comfort zone, you can't do this. Mm. You're not good enough to do this. You're not going to do think this it's, well. I think the phobia is more than that, in that, say, before a performance, people are often feel sick and, I can't do this, I don't want to do it, or whatever. And mm. then they get on and bang, they transform into the performer. Yeah. But I think with a phobia, it's, like, constant. It's, like, always a feeling of, I'm in the wrong place, I, I can't do this. People find me out. So it's called imposter syndrome mm. and the opposite of that ah yeah which is when people think they know more than they actually do so those people might look like imposters but they're actually thinking oh, i can do this job you know i can fly an aeroplane like in that um, leonardo DiCaprio film yeah yeah. Like he, but that's not... And he was a doctor. He didn't choose foolhardy and a lawyer. Yeah. He went proper. If I was going to lie my way into a job, you'd make sure it was a decent job, wouldn't you? I wouldn't want to be an airline pilot, because long hours, <laughs> the same view, it's clouds and sky. 
You've got 300 people behind you, you know, who are either getting tanked up or off their face on cheese pretzels. So that wouldn't be for me. Now, but if it was a Cadbury's taster and I had to be a chocolate connoisseur with refined taste buds, I reckon I could sink that. Or a crisp taster, I could be a crisp taster. Or I could be a wine taster. Or I could do all three. Do you know what? I could imposter my way into all three. Just go for it. <laughs> I love the fact that you feel wine tasting and so on is a much better job than an airline pilot. <laughs> Same with a doctor. Doctor, yeah. I couldn't be a doctor. I would be literally like, oh, for God's sake, put your clothes back on again. If I sing one more mouldy appendage, yeah. <laughs> I'm not interested. Yeah, <laughs> really doctor, not. terrible. Look in your ears, up your nose, go and look at them yourself. What else job would I not want to do? I'm going to make a sweeping statement. Oh. Which is very unlike me. Oh my goodness. Very unlike me. Accountant. You'd like... I would not want to be... An, I would not be selling myself as an accountant. No, I don't... Or a qualified accountant. Because whenever I look at their spreadsheets, I just go cross-eyed. I wouldn't say that I could be in the SAS either. Or anything like... You know, some people want to be in the army or they want to be a football manager. I don't want to do that. Although football managers get paid a lot, don't they? I don't know. And they get their own tracksuits. They <laughs> get their own tracksuits. Yeah, yeah, get free tracksuit, and they okay. get lots of fresh air stood outside by the side of a pitch. It sounds like you're convincing yourself to take the yeah. job on. I think the free tracksuit might have swung it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't wear. They're too close towards shell oh, suits yeah, and true. our fashion no, discoveries yeah, we, we, of we previous. So phobias. What's your biggest phobia that's current? Uh, there being a wine shortage. Well, with Brexit and all the changes in the European Union, if they run out of wine in Waitrose, I think there might be a rebellion. But a phobia, I thought, was um, something which was an irrational fear. Yeah. But that, for you, I would think isn't that irrational. <laughs> I don't like the idea of getting rickets. No, OK. <laughs> that's, that's quite irrational. That's not but, normal phobia. But that's because I get most of my fruit intake from wine. If there's a wine shortage, then I get rickets. I think the and biggest then... danger of rickets is if you set off in a galleon to discover territories <laughs> way away. I'll salt my food. I'm not worried about that. Just don't but forget your just orange. Just don't forget your tangerine. <laughs> yeah, take a bin full of tangerines. <laughs> phobia. I did have a dream the other night. I drowned. That was pretty horrible. A dream you drowned? Yeah. How long did it last, this dream? Till I died. <laughs> yes. But surely you have a... When you fall in the sea, mm. presumably it was in the sea, was it? You fell no. or was it in the river or the bath? No, should I tell you where it was? Should I tell you in yeah. the bath? In the bath. I'm an accomplished swimmer, you know. <laughs> the bath wouldn't do it. I was in the Boss Castle floods in oh. whatever it was, and I had this dream that I was stood in Cornwall down one of these lovely little picturesque roads and we were waiting for a parade to come down, and the parade didn't come. It was just flash floods and water and a big truck, which was in my car at the time, and the truck tipped and I got stuck under the truck. So I couldn't get up out of the water and I just slowly drowned. Whoa. And you're did... going to say, and what did you do, aren't you? You were so close to saying, and what did you do then? <laughs> I died and it went no. black. Now, I was wondering whether your life flashed in front of your eyes, you know, whether there was a tunnel of white light and sort of a shady figure holding down a hand. <laughs> if your life Emily, flashed before your eyes. Well, that would be brilliant. I would love to watch a condensed version of my life because basically it would be... Me in sticky floored comedy clubs performing next to toilets or going up and down the aisles at Majestic Wine. <laughs> Those would be my highlights. <laughs> that was a 
was a horrible dream. But you know when you have those dreams, you wake up and you think, oh, that was really horrible. Mm. You know, sometimes you can't get them out of your head for a while as well and it sort of sticks I don't with like, you. I don't like dreams where you wake up to find out what you've been dreaming about is true. For example, when I was walking somewhere, I admit I was fairly drunk <laughs> and I decided to take <laughs> a shortcut. Was that your idea? <laughs> a nightmare then? You were drunk and walking. <laughs> I decided to take a shortcut across some fields, mm. but wasn't really sure which fields I was supposed to be shortcutting through, and eventually decided to have a nap. So in my dreams, I'm there <laughs> thinking, oh my God, I'm sort of in the middle of a field, and it's all muddy and pesky plant growing by. I keep banging my hand into. And then sometime later, when I woke up, I was in, aforesaid, muddy field of this <laughs> damn plant. And it was a shock. It was horrible. <laughs> Because now I was sober. (laughs) Yeah, well, I was sober thinking, oh no, how did I get here? Because I couldn't quite remember. It was all dark and horrible. (laughs) So I don't like those sort of dreams. No, but drunk dreams are never good. No. Drunk dreams are never, never good, and you wake up a bit confused. I actually fell down the stairs once because I woke up in the middle of the night. I'll be honest, I had. I had had one of my shopping trips to Majestic Wine and I was adamant we were being burgled. So I got up <laughs> drunk in my pyjamas, which is enough to frighten any burglar, got to the top of the stairs, promptly grabbed a sculpture because I'm obviously a high class, <laughs> went to go and accost my burglars, fell down the stairs. <laughs> Got my leg caught in the banister, effed and jeffed, dropped the sculpture, made a great old noise to which the other half went, what are you doing? And I went, it's all right, I'm protecting us, we're being purple. To which I got back, you're such a stupid idiot, get out into bed. When after the muddy field incident, when I arrived at my destination, it was about seven in the morning, and my friend answered the door in his wife's negligee, <laughs> which I was obviously I could, you couldn't help but smile, and he just as if I was a dog that had disobeyed him, he just stood away from the doorway, pointed at the settee, and said, "Get in." <laughs> Said, said the man in the negligee. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Media Music in association with Mac Entertainment.